welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. Gabby, in the tradition of opening our episodes with a question, which seems to happen a lot more these days, about a memory, question about a memory. Gabby, if you can tell me one of your first memories of flying in or out of the Albuquerque Sunport. Oh, I have I have plenty because I would fly back and forth a lot from DFW. So I grew up mostly in Texas and but my grandparents lived in Albuquerque. My grandfather was Air Force based in Kirtland way back in the day. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so when I was old enough to, you know, fly by myself, my mom would put me on the plane. I had the little, you know, thing that you wrap around your neck that says like you're flying solo and you're a kid. And I would remember just like chatting with adults next to me and coloring. And I think this was pre nine 11. So my grandparents would get to pick me up right there at the, right at, at the, the gate. gate. Yeah. Those huh. are my very fond memories, but I also, it was remarkable to me how much smaller the Sunport felt yeah. flying from DFW. Yeah. And then when I became driving age, I really appreciated it because Driving at DFW is a little intimidating when you're first learning. For sure. Yeah, I, I, I remember that very much so taking Yale straight from like a neighborhood into the airport, which I just felt was like, this does not happen in cities these yeah. days. And oh, you're here. <laughs> yeah, the size of the airport access, it's always a little smaller than I imagined, but also super convenient in that way. First time I ever flew here was in late 2012. I think the other thing that stuck out to me was the big sculpture in the middle of the terminal. That sculpture made by an artist named Lincoln Fox is impossible to miss, showing a Native American man holding an eagle, and it is called Dream of Flight. Yeah, and if you didn't know, that sculpture also shares the same name of something big happening now at the Sunport. The Dream of Flight is the official name of an ongoing reimagining project or a massive remodel at the Sunport. The project will transform the experience travelers have before security, during the process, and immediately afterwards. So the undertaking should be a big change of pace for the Sunport, but I have a feeling that there will also be a lot of elements that will still be uniquely Albuquerque, even after that modernization work, so to speak, is done. And this week, we want to talk about that. We know the Sunport isn't just a crown jewel for Albuquerque. It really is for the state as well as the only major airport in New Mexico and really the primary airport for the vast majority of commercial airline service that goes through the state. This week, we're joined by two people who've got a lot of background on the Sunport's past, present and future. Joining us in studio is Leah Black, the Outreach and Marketing Manager for the Sunport, and Fred DeGaio, a commercial aviation historian with Cavalcade of Wings, an Albuquerque nonprofit dedicated to local aviation history. Leah and Fred, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. So first, let me ask you all the same question. Do you guys have any specific first Sunport memory? Fred, let's start with you. I actually go way back to 1963 before the current Sunport building was even built. I do have a couple of vague, vague memories of the old terminal building that was actually opened in 1939. And, yeah, just treasured memories. I hope I never forget. And I I remember watching the the new Sunport, the the current building uh, being constructed and opening in 1965. And like you said, it was so much smaller then. Uh, It was all one level. All the ticket counters were on the bottom level with the where the baggage claim is now. The, there was no parking garage. It was just one big parking lot out front. And 
And the big thing is um, it was a split-level building, so the ticket you checked in on one level, then you had to go up to the Great Hall. And once you're up there, there was uh, four, four gates up there, kind of off in the corners. One gate is still there. It's used with uh, commuter airlines right now. The rest have been uh, remodified. But from that point, you actually had to go back down again and through a tunnel. And a lot of people remember the tunnel. (laughs) We'll get to the tunnel in in this conversation. But Leah, you as well, do you have a first Sunport memory? I do. So I didn't grow up here. I'm from Colorado, but I have been here over 20 years and I've considered New Mexico absolutely my home. So when I first moved here, I had driven down, you know, but I have a cousin, I have family that lives in California and I was going to go fly to them. And it was, it's kind of like we were talking a little bit off mic. It's so funny that you're kind of in a neighborhood and then all of a sudden you're at the airport which I think is so cool because growing up in Denver, I had Stapleton growing up and then it was, you know, DIA that was way out in the middle of nowhere. I remember when they built that, the talk was like, what are they doing? This is crazy, you know, but here it's so central. It's so close to everything, but yes, there are neighborhoods just very close by and it's wild. So that was my first takeaway from it. And then just walking in the floors. I just think the floors are so iconic and I'm so glad that they're here to stay. That's just a teaser. <laughs> when I first moved here, I lived in a, lived in that neighborhood right there by Yale and Catherine. And I remember one of my first trips home to Oregon, I actually contemplated just walking to, to the, the airport. airport. <laughs> I didn't do it, but I called a taxi actually. And I felt really goofy about it after the fact. Because <laughs> like I could have, I could have <laughs> walked. Like, this is going to be an easy walk. How much luggage did you have? That's yeah. The- it was just one bag. So <laughs> it would have been easy. Yeah. Live and learn. Yeah. Well, before we get into some of the happening now elements of the Sunport, I do want to get into a few of those history and background questions because, yeah, this facility, while still not a massive complex, it is a pretty unique one. And there have been multiple iterations of the Sunport, if you will. So, Fred, I want to ask you about the Sunport that we know now. It is not the original main terminal, as we talked about. You you had mentioned this old original terminal building that was built around 1939, if I'm 1939, correct. 1939, yes. It's still around today. Yes. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm, we're very fortunate to have that building. It's been uh, restored and maintained all these years. And I believe they've been having users, companies that have been occupying it. Yeah. So we're, we're just very fortunate to from a historian point of view, that, that we still have that building. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to ask about that. What is it used for now? Can people just go and see it? It is open to the public, uh, regular Monday through Friday, normal hours. The tenant that was in it moved out very recently. I'm not sure who is in there now, but I'm sure they'll find somebody pretty soon. With this renovation that we've been having, we've departments have to move around a lot. So we had check-in badging offices over there. And then they moved around for a while because all the spaces are sort of being shifted and taken over and renovated. So we've had security over there. It, it keeps ever changing. Yeah, and I <laughs> But guess, yes, it's open still. And I guess I wanted to ask, you know, when you look at that old terminal building, how would you describe it? It's uh, authentic New Mexican native Pueblo style. That's the best part about it. It's still got a lot of the original art. An artist uh, chosen, her name was uh, Pop Shelley. That was her professional name. And uh, a lot of her work was displayed in there. And Still there. That's mm-hmm. really cool. So today's terminal hosts all of the modern flights. It was opened in 1965. What are some of the highlights or the main changes to the terminal as we know it over the years? Big changes. Um, 
The first expansion was in 1973. They put on a west wing, and that had one gate with the with a jet bridge. None of the gates had jet bridges back then. You had to use uh, stairs. By the way, that's what you walk from from the little gate onto the plane. Some right. people have asked me recently, "What's a jet bridge?" The connector. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So yes, the west wing opened up. That I was primarily because uh, the big wide body jets were just starting to come out in the early 70s, the uh, 747s. Uh, of course, Albuquerque never saw a 747, but we did see the next level of wide body. It was called the Lockheed L-1011. And our primary airline here at the time, uh, Trans World Airlines, or TWA as it was known, they started flying an L-1011 here to Albuquerque and uh, started in 1974. And then um, by 1980, I believe that West Wing was expanded with three more gates. So it had four gates with jet bridges. And about that time is when um, they had airline deregulation. Prior to uh, 1979, basically, uh, we only had four airlines here and no, no new airlines could come in. They were regulated by the government. And then finally, uh, President Jimmy Carter uh, changed all that, <laughs> deregulated them. And all of a sudden, all these new airlines just started swarming in here. And everybody wanted those gates with the jet bridges. And back then, nobody was assigned a gate. You could, like, I think as many as seven different airlines were using these four gates that had jet bridges at the time. It's like a free-for-all is what it sounds like. Pretty much, yeah. And it was, uh, it was very difficult sometimes. I was working for a major airline that uh, in our operations, and we had a set schedule. And if you had a flight run late, you had to coordinate with the, the next user. And a lot of airlines wouldn't do that. And so I, I would have to watch myself. Wow. These guys are supposed to be on the gate, and they're not there. So something's up. <laughs> yeah, it was a real challenge during the 1980s. And finally, in the late 80s, it was a massive expansion to where it is today. And so a lot of those problems were resolved. And one of the fascinating parts about the Sunport's history that we were talking about a little bit earlier is this tunnel. As I understand, there is a secret tunnel, I guess, of sorts, not really secret, but I like to say secret. It makes it that intriguing, cooler. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Underneath the terminal. So Fred, can you tell us what is this tunnel? How did it get there? Yes. Yeah, so when the Terminal first opened in 1965. We had four gates at the main building, but then there was another satellite building to the, directly to the south. Rather small, just a square building out there, but there was an underground tunnel to get to it. And it was, I remember it, the ar architecture in there, the tile work along the walls was the big thing. But yeah, you walk through this tunnel and um, the other end, of course, another escalator. <laughs> and then uh, there was four gates at this very small satellite building. Uh, it Flights back then didn't accommodate more than maybe 50 people at a time. And, and as it got busier, this little uh, satellite building just really got uh, jam-packed with people at times. And, but yes, this tunnel, it's, uh, from what I understand, is still there. Uh, it's totally off limits. I've heard that there's a lot of wiring and pipes and everything else down there. But apparently the tile work and a lot of the remnants is, is still down there. Interesting. So maybe more of a utility corridor these days. Yes, right. but the tile work is there. I've seen photos. I still haven't been down there yet, but I think that we could probably arrange something. Yeah, that, that would be That's neat certainly to see. And that tunnel connected to a satellite building. Is that satellite building still there? No, um, that was taken down with the, the major expansion of uh, the late 1980s. It's about where the food court is, the tea connector, oh, wow. where, you, where you split off to go to the two concourses. It was right in that area. So essentially the tunnel maybe goes under where you go through security now? Correct. Okay. It's pretty much straight aligned with the corridor there. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and at one point it came up into the, the little satellite building. It's and, amazing. 
and the satellite was only one one floor, all ground level gates, so where you had to walk outside and up the stairs, and they would put stairs at both ends of the aircraft, and could board planes and deplane in just a couple of minutes. It's just know? on both sides, just going mm-hmm. wherever. That's neat, right? Yeah, I, I know that it's still definitely a uh, a modern technique to connect terminals. You see it, I think, at the new. Salt Lake City Airport has a massive tunnel connecting uh, two buildings now. I think about Chicago as well has that massive tunnel that I remember from middle school seeing Puff Daddy and uh, oh, yeah. his, uh, I'll Be Missing and You music video. It's, <laughs> oh it's featured in I that. I forgot so, about that. Yeah, tunnels. Um, we, our tunnel never really made it to the big time, but it's still kind of a hidden gem That's is what right. it sounds like. Very cool. How important has the Sunport been, you think, Fred, as, as a function to Albuquerque, which while we're still in a big city, the Sunport is still a bit of an outpost in the American Southwest, right? Yes. Um, Albuquerque hasn't grown as, as quickly as our neighboring cities, Denver, Phoenix, Salt Lake, but, uh, but it does primarily serve most of the whole state of New Mexico. Some of the cities like Santa Fe and Roswell have direct flights to places like DFW and Denver, but for the most part, it's everybody comes through Albuquerque. And another thing in the past, we had these commuter airlines that would fly to little cities all over the state. And there's very little of that anymore. So most people are having to drive up here, I, I presume. And yeah, not only Albuquerque, but the whole state of New Mexico, pretty much vital part. How do you view the impact of the Sunport? I think it's quite huge. You know, we we talk about other airports that have a lot of layovers. We are, I think it's le- it's about 3% or less of people that come through Sunport are actually doing a layover. They're either here for their destination or they're leaving, you know, to somewhere. So it's enormous. And I do know that I've had people, I run the social media channels and the messaging boards and they ask like, where can we leave our car for like six weeks? Is it safe? And, you know, because they are driving here from some rural town with their whole family and they're going on an adventure somewhere, you know, to visit relatives. So I think we are a huge impact for the whole state. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing to hear that. And and also just, yeah, I realize in the 10 years that I've been here, almost 11 now, you don't really hear a lot of people connecting through this airport. It is uniquely kind of coming or going type airport, if yes. you will. So. yeah. We're going to take a quick break, but after this, we'll be back with more on the Sunport today and the future of aviation here and a deep dive into that big project we talked about going on in the travel hub for the Land of Enchantment. We're back with Fred DeGaio, a Sunport historian and Leah Black, Outreach and Marketing Manager for the Albuquerque International Sunport. Let's talk a little bit more about where things are here and now. One of the things that makes the Sunport so memorable, I think, is that very New Mexico feeling that you get when you visit, from the tile floors to the solid wood, thick, cushioned chairs. Fred, over the years, do you think the Sunport has kept its unique charm, if you will? Yes, definitely. Uh, especially the the Great Hall area. That is pretty much the same as it was when it was originally constructed in 1965 with the the beam ceilings and the, the Indian symbols that are on the beams up there. And uh, just overall, yes, it's it's really kept its charm. Something I have to say real quick, and I found this fascinating. I just learned this. There are 19 beams up there. They're solid wood, one solid piece, which how in the 60s did they get those up there? If you go to the Sunport next, look up at the ceiling. It's incredible. But each of the beams represents one of our 19 tribes here in New Mexico. Each one has unique art on it. So 
it's just a neat thing. A lot of people don't ever look up. So next time you're there, look up. Okay. Yeah. I had never heard of that. So that's a fun fact there. Absolutely. You know, present day Sunport, keeping in mind that there are some big changes happening at the terminal now, which we'll get to a little bit shortly here. But Leah, if I can ask you, how do you describe the Sunport's pre-Dream of Flight projects? Um, I, I would say definitely quaint. And, you know, I don't I think it's safe for me to say I don't think my boss will be too mad at me if I say it was a little run down. It needed a little TLC, you know as older spaces do. And so I think that it's always been charming, but I do think that most people would agree that it just needed a little love. And over a little more than the last decade, it seems like there've been a lot of big system upgrades at the Sunport. The bathrooms, for instance, got upgraded years ago. Most recently, within the last five or six years, the Sunport got some new lighting, new signage, There's a doggy restroom area now, (laughs) a few reworked vendor kiosks, but a lot of the post-security stuff has stayed kind of the same. But size-wise, does this facility still serve New Mexico's needs, you think? I think it does. It's just we're rearranging within the footprint, I should say. And I think that with the reconfiguration, it's definitely going to be amazing and address, you know, certain issues that have popped up over the years. And with population increase, you know, and, and our amount of traffic, we're over 5 million, just about 5 million passengers a year now. So we have needs that we're trying to meet. Yeah. So the dream of flight project, Leah, in general, you know, what is this project? What, what, how do you understand it? My understanding is that it's really a chance to kind of, yeah, reformat the security screening and post security screening areas of the Sunport. Is that right? How do you describe it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, times change and we have to keep up with the times to stay relevant. So pre-TSA, which a lot of people I don't think realize, TSA was formed after 9-11, directly because of 9-11. And I think people think it's just been around forever, you know? So it's hard to take yourself back and remember that time, or maybe people were too, too young, you know, it was a long time ago, but just also right, you know, it seems like a day ago. But before that time, people would go, it'd be an event to go to the airport, right? You'd go to the airport, you'd all have dinner, You'd all hang out. Or if somebody arrived at the airport, you'd meet them, you'd stay, you'd have dinner. You'd do whole family. Yeah. It was like a big deal. I remember these days. And so as time evolved and TSA came around that iconic restaurant, that's been a few different restaurants. So that should tell you there that there were some issues because there weren't enough butts in seats. We'll just say it. And as much as people loved the restaurant, it's like, you're in a hurry. Like what if my flight's delayed? What if TSA security takes a long time? So now in the modern times, people just really desire getting through that stressful, you know, we try not to make it stressful, but everybody's a little stressed when they're traveling, get through that TSA checkpoint. And then you want to decompress and you want to eat your meals or, you know, get a beer or whatever. So we are changing with those new demands. And so the TSA checkpoint is going to move where the, the restaurant used to be. And that was a 5,000 square foot restaurant. So it's a lot of space for not a lot of people there, you know? So we're utilizing that and TSA is going to be 50% larger queuing area and it's going to be just even more effortless. I think we're really spoiled here at Sunport. People are like, it takes forever. It's like, have you been to LAX or DIA or DFW? It's crazy. So it's just going to be even better. Interesting. Yeah. So kind of like right where if you're picturing it and you've been to the Sunport, you're getting off the escalator. There used to be that restaurant on the right hand side. That will be where the new TSA checkpoint goes. Got it. Okay. So how does security get impacted with this remodel, you think? Well, you mentioned things will be faster, but 
Will they also be faster for those who don't have the TSA pre-fast track status? Yes, absolutely. So first of all, our, the area will be 50% larger at, and square footage. It'll just be better. And on the days when it is a little bit, you know, more of our high peak times, there'll be a better queuing area just to organize the crowd. But not only that, TSA will be upgrading their equipment. And so it'll be more modern. It will be more TSA agents. We're just beefing everything up. So it's going to be meeting the needs of, you know, our our influx of passengers now. We always reflect back to 2019 for our numbers. We've surpassed that now. So we have to start thinking about what's ahead. And with all the new industry coming to New Mexico, it's just going to keep growing. So we want to keep growing as well. We talked a little bit about food and the experience, how that has kind of changed over the years with the you know effect of 9-11. So food in the Sunport, some of those vendor areas have been closed off. We mentioned the uh, restaurant being replaced with TSA security now. Are any of the existing vendors, though, going to stick around the ones like post security or are they getting just a complete overhaul. So right now we are in, uh, we have an RFP out, right? Right. So request for proposal. So I can't say who will or won't be there at the end, but I do know that it's going to be much larger. There's going to be more food and beverage options. We're going to have, when you exit TSA, it's going to be a giant food hall. And the cool thing is that dream of flight sculpture by Lincoln Fox is getting moved to the center of that food hall. It's going to be the focal point and there's going to be a stage in front for live music. But to answer your question, I can't yet as far as the vendors that will be there, but there will be more options. And I do know that we're going to have much more local options and that includes craft beer and things like that. So we're really excited about amping up the local presence and really representing New Mexico when we have visitors come. You mentioned the stage area. It makes me think of Dallas Love Field. Is it kind of Kind of I, in that vein where there's like a stage and then there's a giant food court around maybe. it. Maybe. I haven't been to that part of Dallas Love Field, but I do know, you know, Austin, there's a lot of airports now that are capitalizing on the music. We feel like just as much visually as we've always been sort of an art gallery of airports, you know, through your ears, we want it to be a presence as well. So when you arrive, we we have sun, it's called Sunport Serenades. It's two days a week, Thursdays and Fridays from 11 to 1 every single week. And for Balloon Fiesta, we had live music all 10 days. And so I think that when people arrive, you're like, you're kind of chaotic, traveling is stressful. And you look around, you're like, what is, what is happening over here? And it kind of makes you breathe and take in the music and kind of relax a little bit. So we're going to just keep that going. Okay. I was just going to say with the whole remodeling that we are doing, it's pretty much a trend around the country. I was recently at the uh, New York LaGuardia airport and they've completely rebuilt that terminal. And same thing, you, you, you go through security and then uh, you're, basically walk right into a mall of shops and a food court there. Like, where are the airplanes? You know? Yeah, you forget that you're at an airport, <laughs> yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah. way different experience. So has anyone been picked yet to fill out this role of new food, drink, retail vendors? Can you, can you leak any information about who will go where? And also just what is the process for choosing vendors? Is it different this time around? It is different. And I can't leak uh, yet, but there was a, a, a whole committee formed. And then there was a process of a grading system and I didn't sit on the committee, so I don't really know the exact details, but every, every person that entered every entity, uh, every company, they had to give basically a presentation on many levels, what they might offer, who they might partner with, because a lot of them might be management companies and then they'll pick what restaurants or breweries or bars or whatever that they're going to work with. So that was all presented and it's on a scale. And then now currently it sits in the hands, if you will, of city council. So they then decide, or it goes back for 
renegotiation. So that's where we're at now. So there's nothing set in stone yet, but you'll be the first to know. Flyers can expect to see some new food options coming to the Albuquerque Sunport in coming months. Since we recorded this episode, the Sunport has now announced the company with the latest food vendor contract and all of those new tastes that people can expect. In all, there are 12 new food vendors looking to set up shop. And there are a lot of local names in there to include Sadie's, Santa Fe Brewing, Pinon Coffee, Steelbender Brew Yard, The Grove, Rush of Prana, Flavor of New Mexico, and also Teller Vodka. Most of the concepts here at Sunport will, will be leaving so we can say goodbye over the next year to many fan favorites over that we've had in here over the last 12 years. Now, along with that, there's also going to be a few national chains in the mix, including Buffalo Wild Wings and even Duncan. Some of the old vendors will go, but a few are sticking around, including that longtime coffee place, Black Mesa Coffee and also Panda Express. The contract for the food management service that has been awarded to Fresquez companies. They've managed all of those food vendors out of the Sunport for more than a decade. Once those new vendors move in next year, they will be there for a 12-year contract. And I think it was expressed one of the key things was that we wanted to be more local and just really, you know, think about all the people that come from all over the world to Balloon Fiesta. You don't necessarily want them to see a corporate chain that they would see in other restaurants. You want it to feel like, oh, this is New Mexico. This is the flavor of New Mexico and Albuquerque. So aside from food and drink, it also seems like those creature comforts are already changing in the Sunport. I know I was just there a couple of weeks ago and noted this. Our, our reporter, Chandler Farnsworth, he spoke to you recently covering that story about the chairs throughout the building. Those are all getting refurbished and reupholstered, but they're not being replaced outright, yes. if you will. What is behind that? And why was it a decision to keep those old school chairs? It's so funny. Thank, shout out to Chandler, because that was such a, a surprisingly high traction story. People are passionate about those chairs. Yeah. I just, I mean, the I can comments. believe it. It's yeah. amazing. They are like, don't take away their chairs. I think, and you know, we talked about comparing to other airports. We are, we might be biased, but I do think we are such a unique airport in that, you know, I just recently was at LAX and DFW. The chairs are cold, plastic, metal, maybe contemporary, easily scratchable, not, I don't want to sound dated, but I just like, they don't make things like they used to, you know, and it's a mold in a machine and then you see, and there's wear and it's pretty quickly that they can wear down. The great thing about these chairs, the original version, the original model from the third, late thirties that were at the old terminal, these aren't those chairs, but they were modeled after that. So these chairs have been around since the 60s. I mean, that's amazing, right? Yeah. And the fact that that decision was made before my time to keep these chairs, basically strip them down. Granted, they have some wear, you know, there's some shaky arms, but everything we're doing, and I'm working on a story about this. And so I'll share it with you guys as soon as we have it. I went and I toured, Jane's is the company that is doing our, you know, giant remodel. They are then outsourcing with all local companies. The upholsterer is Ace Upholstery on Manal. They've been around since 1954, second generation upholsters. I went to their shop. They are doing all 500 plus of these chairs. They are sanding them down. They're, you know, re-fortifying uh, the arms that are shaky. It's going through a whole process. This uh, local woman, I saw her painting. She's like an artist doing the staining. And it's just amazing, the story of these chairs. And it's so much more work, but it's going to be so worth it because already now you're starting to see and for those of you on hate, haters on social media that are like, get these old <laughs> chairs out of here. If they would just look 10 feet to their left, we start to have the new and the old in there because we've got to kind of intersperse them. But we've had shipments of the new chairs coming in 
And when you're there, look around. You can definitely see the difference. And it's so cool. I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Darker color for much of the newer ones. Yeah, it's really tell. rich. Oh, and I should add, we are adding modern charging points because that was something they were lacking. So you'll you'll be seeing that too. That's nice. Yeah. Fred, what do you think about the old school chairs sticking around at the Sunport? I think it's great. And I was just going to add that, uh, of course, the terminal has expanded so much over the years. So it's not all the chairs are really ancient. Right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> They've added some new ones. Over yeah. There. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I, I'm just so thrilled that everything is being kept like it was. Yeah. And, and we're actually adding, we're supplementing, as you say, we've grown a bit. So the 500 chairs, believe it or not, it sounds like a lot, but sometimes it's not enough. So we are interspersing it with some sort of bench seating in between with uh, small tables. So there'll be a little hint of modern to mix with the old, but it's in a very thoughtful way. So you have somewhere to set your coffee and you can also have charging points. It's going to be great. What else can people expect and what is the timeline for this whole project to come to a conclusion? It's a staggered process. Uh, we knew from the beginning that it would take a couple years. This project currently we're hoping to debut the new TSA before the end of the year. And then it's just going to be staggered in stages. So we have the food and beverage program that will be in the food hall. We hope to debut summer of next year. And then we also have a smaller thing that we haven't talked about. The term is RMUs, which uh, stands for retail mobile units. And in layman's terms, it's basically smaller, more curated kiosks of local vendors. So that's a program we're going to be launching as well. We will put out an RFI, which is a request for information. So these might be people you find all over the state, jewelers, you know, who knows, candle makers, smaller companies that don't have the necessarily the capital to get into a place like the airport. And this is essentially a training program for them to work as a co-op. And we will be doing, I don't know, four to 10 different booths where they work together, little kiosks you'll see in the airport with local units. And that'll be debuted, I believe, at the end of summer next year as well. So not just food and beverage, but local, locally made craft artisan wares and and treats. So that's going to be really cool too. So hopefully we hope to wrap all up by 2025. With construction and all that. Yes. It's just all staggered in phases. So thanks for your patience, everyone. Okay. <laughs> well, it seems like one of those efforts is to recognize and embrace the New Mexico Albuquerque charm within this facility with some modern upgrades. In the end, what do you hope that people get from their visits to the Sunport? Wow. I think I would really love it if they don't necessarily feel like they visited an airport. I think one of the coolest things about our facility, and I hate to even call it that word because it sounds cold, but is that it is this unique little desert gem and the art is incredible. You know, as I say, traveling can be stressful. You're in a hurry. Where's baggage claim? Gotta go, gotta go. It's so refreshing if you just take the time to look around a little bit when you're in our halls and the great hall, look up at the beams we talked about, but the art, we have a careful art program. It's carefully curated. We just really want you to not feel stressed. And when you look out the windows and see the vistas, we want that to kind of come inward and reflect the land that we are in. And it's such an amazing place here in New Mexico. So we just want the airport to feel like you're not in an airport. You're more in like a gallery or someone's beautifully curated home. Fred, I'm looking at the table here. There's a book called Images of Aviation, Albuquerque International Sunport, and it's got your name on it. He so, literally wrote the book. Yeah, you wrote the book <laughs> about this. What fascinates you about the Sunport and what do you hope others get out of it as well? Basically, the fact that I've had exposure to it ever since we moved here in 1963, and I, I've always 
interest in everything that's been done, uh, all the expansion, all the, the new airlines, the new routes, the new airplanes that come in. And when I, uh, I retired, just decided, I saw that these books were being published by this uh, Arcadia and there wasn't anything on Albuquerque, of course. I thought, well, I can do this one. And I had so much fun doing it. It was, it was a lot of work, but it was so much, so much fun. And I just hope it generates interest that uh, people will appreciate the, the history of, uh, of our aviation here in Albuquerque. And you know, one of the things that always, I think, comes in front of our radar when it comes to news coverage of, of anything that costs any level of money. And to be clear, you know, I know the Sunport is an enterprise fund, so therefore it makes profit and it saves those profits and basically does its projects most of the time from those profits there. But people will always say, you know, well, why do we need to spend all this much money on this sort of thing? <laughs> yep. You know, and, and we hear it particularly here. I mean, I remember when the United Stadium thing was a conversation, everybody said, well, we need to fix the potholes in Albuquerque, right. which, yeah, that's, that's an interesting take. But to that point, though, why is a hip airport so important to this community? I will say, yeah, we, we definitely get those questions on social media. You know, Sunport's fine. Why are you touching it? Why are you doing anything? A lot of that money and it's a big number. $87 million is a lot of money. It's all from money that we have earned, you know, with all the things on Sunport land, we don't take money from the city, but a lot of that money is going to things that aren't sexy and aren't cool that you don't even see. So a lot of the infrastructure <laughs> behind the scenes, upgrading, you know, fire systems and electrical and plumbing and non-sexy sewage. And also, you know, the internet capabilities and Wi-Fi and all those things to make us a modern airport. We don't want to change, you know, the overall feel of it, but we do need to be modern and keep up with the times. You know, a lot of people we realize work and travel and do both. It's both business and pleasure now. So if you can't get on a Zoom call at, while you're at the airport, or if you can't get onto your Wi-Fi, that's a problem, right? And so we need to make it as easily accessible for all people, whether you're telecommuting or whatever, or just your families, if you have kids and you need to watch whatever show they want to watch a thousand times in a row. <laughs> So it's, it's a lot of those things that you don't see, but then it is expensive replacing the jet bridges. That's they're like 30 years old and they're drastically in need of, you know, upgrading. So it's funny. We had somebody recently say they hated the floors. They said it was so loud and the clackety clack. And I put a survey on our Instagram story and I asked, and it was like 92% were like, we love our floors. And they were very mad at that person. <laughs> but, um, so we're trying to, and, and actually with that, when you are keeping something, sometimes it is a little bit more expensive because areas that we're ripping up and, you know, demoing have to have the brick match. So we have really skilled craftsmen through Jane's that are matching the old brick to the new so that you hopefully don't even notice that that's happening. It's an expensive process moving TSA. It's definitely staggered monumental task, but we hopefully people know that we're doing it with heart and we're not trying to change the Sunport. We're just trying to make it better. Brett, is there anything that we didn't ask you that you want people to understand maybe about the history of the Sunport or? Oh, just a couple other things I was going to point out. Uh, one thing I, I miss personally is the uh, rooftop observation deck outside uh, when the terminal was first constructed in 65. Yeah, there was, there was a little stairway and you could walk right up to the roof there and you ride out in the open air. And that was, that That's was a amazing. huge thing back then. All airports most all airports had observation areas like that. But then uh, when it was expanded in the late 80s, uh, of course, that went away. And But we do have a, the modern observation area, but it is post-security. So you have to be on a flight to get up there. But it, but we do have it. And it's uh, it, there's some 
beautiful views up there too. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've talked to a lot of people who have never checked that out. I sometimes will just go eat lunch up there. It's that stairway behind the Lincoln Fox Dream of Flight statue. People are like, what are you talking about? It's oh. full of plants. It has huge views of planes coming in right on the runway. It's incredible. So next time you're at the Sunport, if you have some time, go up to that observation deck. It's awesome. There's an elevator and also a stairway. And in the new remodel, it's going to be opened up even more. So when you're coming down through the food hall, you'll have that view. The elevator will be moved. So you won't, because right now it's blocked. Yeah. But that's all going to be open and people are going to say, where did this come from? Right. Very <laughs> cool. cool. Leah, same thing. Did we miss anything or anything else you wanted to add? I just love the quaintness of New Mexico's airport. I feel like when people want to stop and complain about things here, I think it's all about perspective. So if you travel a lot and go to other bigger cities, more traffic, more congestion, I just want everyone to be grateful because I think our airport still is very efficient. It's still very friendly and just want everybody to kind of look up and around at the art and just, it's not just your typical airport. Well, Fred and Leah, thank you both for joining us here today. Great conversation. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Fred DeGaio and Leah Black for joining us today to talk all about the history and future of the Sunport, which again, she mentioned averages about 5 million passengers per year. Yeah, and the Sunport does still seem to be growing in its capacity. I think one of the things that Fred mentioned was that we actually did have more flights coming and going through the Sunport pre 9-11. It's been sort of a slow rebound over the last 20 years, but you are seeing some new airlines join the fray. More recently, Sun Country Airlines announced it would do a direct flight to Minneapolis starting in June. And as well, you've got some of the small airliners still doing some business there. Advanced Air does a flight to Las Cruces now, it seems. And Boutique Air does a Carlsbad flight that's been around for a while between Albuquerque and Carlsbad. Yeah, Leah mentioned to us too, if you want to fly in-state instead of driving three hours to a place like Las Cruces, you can go catch a prop commuter plane And it feels like she says you're flying in a private airplane because they're very small, smaller planes, fewer seats, and I think less than an hour flight time out of the Seagate at the Sunport. Yeah, you can get around New Mexico quickly if you'd like. Of course, it does cost a little bit more money, but there are options there. Appreciate you joining us for All Things Aviation this week. If you have an idea, you can always reach out to me. I'm at chris.mckee.krqe.com, also at TV. And I'm gabrielle.burkhart at krqe.com and gburknm on social media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>